Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Every hand lifted to the Lord tonight. Father, we thank you. Go ahead and just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost and thank God for what he has in store for you. Thank you, Father, for another year to serve you, to praise you, to give you glory, to lift you up. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Thank you for your hand upon our lives. Thank you for your wonderful presence. We give you glory, O Lord. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Everybody said, keep your hands lifted. Father, tonight in this special breakthrough service as we conclude one week of fasting and prayer, we thank you, Father, for your power. We thank you that you're a mighty God. We thank you that you're the Most High God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that rolled back the Red Sea and dried the ground out. And we thank you that you called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light to share in your glory to share in your blessing. We enter into that tonight in Jesus' name. I pray for every family that's here, whether they're the whole family's here, whether they're only represented by one person. I pray the hand of God will come upon that family tonight and that this year would be a remarkable year unlike any other. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it and give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In that precious name of Jesus, we pray and give thanks. And all God's people said amen. Give the Lord the biggest hand clap and shout that you've ever given anybody. Welcome to night number five. Wow. Got ourselves a meeting. Before you're seated, I'm going to welcome somebody to the platform. I just want to, I just want to, I don't want you to preach a sermon. I just want you to tell people, um, when you, when you had me in to come preach back in 2012, was it? Yeah. What the Lord did, and um, it's pretty mighty. And then we've been friends. We knew each other before then. This is Pastor Brian Tomes from Crossroads Community Church in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, who flew in with his daughter, uh, who's my daughter's friend. And, and they came in for the meeting tonight. Give a warm hand clap uh, to Pastor Brian Tomes. Blessings in the mighty name of Jesus. God is so good, isn't he? You know, Ephesians says that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Everything. Everything we have already. And, uh, you know, I had been pastoring for about seven years, I think. 2000. Yeah. I've been pastoring for about seven years. And it was like the first seven was completely different than the, the next seven. Amen. <laughs> and so um, I had his father in. I remember his father coming to Zion Bible College, and we were friends in Bible college. I mean, he was, he was crushing it in Bible college. Even as a youth pastor, I mean, he would, he would uh, have mighty meetings, and so we would become friends. And, you know, looking back at Bible college, you could tell the ones that were going to do great things in ministry from the ones that weren't. There was, they were always set apart. Don't you agree? 
Like, there was always ones that ran hard after the things of God, and there was other people that were just doing time. I remember someone, I get out of here. I'm like, brother, this is not prison. (laughs) This is Bible college. We're working on our walk with God. This is the things of God. Amen. This is not prison. I've been there. Trust me. You know, but a lot of that's the mentality. And so, you know, just because you go, let me just say this. You... Where's all the Bible college students that are here? I want to see your hands right now. If you're, if you're the river, I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're the Revival Today Bible College, I want you to put your hand up. Revival Today Bible Institute. Loud, like, hi, I want to see it. Listen, you can go all the way. Like, it doesn't stop. It just keeps on going. And, I mean, testimony, testimony that there, there is so much more life. But plug in while you're here. The people that plugged in at the Bible college then are the people that are killing it now. Amen? You know, my ministry started the day I got saved. But you know what? There's a difference between what you know and who you know. Right? So I went to Bible college. I did did four years of, of Zion Bible college, which is one of the greatest schools in the entire world. I mean, so many great ministers came out of there. I mean, yours truly here, his father. Uh, his, his uncle Ted, which is my spiritual father. There's, there's a long list of great men and women of God that came out of there. But I, I came out of there, but I felt like I came out with half a gospel. Right. Half a gospel. I pastored for seven years. Not one time did anybody put cash in my hand other than a Dunkin' Donuts gift card for about $5. I don't know what you get with $5 on a Dunkin' Donuts gift card. Yeah. Two coffees. Not anymore. So, but, but then I, I, I learned something. I had John in, Pastor John, excuse me. Um, for, for, we only planned on doing, how long do we plan on going? I think Sunday to Wednesday. Yeah, it was th- three days, right? Sunday, four days. Sunday to Wednesday. It's the first extended meeting that we were going to have. We actually had his father in for, uh, for three days. And then, did you, only, you only came for three, right? Oh, we've had so many services. I mean, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we planned on doing Sunday to Wednesday, and this thing broke loose. I said it broke loose. We we went for we planned on doing Sunday to Wednesday. We went for five weeks. Hey, come on, give the Lord a mighty hand clap. I mean, the the. I want to say like. I don't know, 200, 500, 278? It was, it was 327. 327. What, what average attendance on a Sunday morning back then? Average attendance on a Sunday morning, I think we were running about 175 people. So church of 170, and, you know, you watch these things on television, but until it gets into your spirit, I mean, the, the, the day he laid hands on me, my, my side hurt for two weeks. I thought he punched me in the gut. I was <laughs> he, w- he was mad at me. I called him. I was going to the back room. They were closing the service out. And uh, I felt to come back and lay hands on him. And I, I went to come back to lay hands on him. I never got to him. I had just come back from India. I did 11 days of meetings in India. I was in kind of a different mode. And I, I came back and went to lay hands on him. I said, in the name of Jesus, and before I could get to him, he had his eyes closed, and he went out hard under the power at the end of a normal Sunday morning service. So then he was, he was acting like cold towards me. And I said, what's the problem? He said, I, you know, 
I'm all for the things of the Spirit, and I understand we're Pentecostal, but I didn't appreciate you punching me in the stomach on Sunday morning in front of all my people. I said, I never punched you in the stomach. And he went, yes, you did. I mean, like angry. And then his two ushers, uh, Jay and, and, and um, uh, Steve. Steve. Like, no, Brother Steve. He, 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 he never touched you. Two, two Massachusetts guys. That's how, that's how powerful it was. So then that, that church that was running 140 or so, 150 on Sunday, they outgrew that place and built a brand new building and uh, up around, they've, they've had services with 900 people in Massachusetts, 23 people when he took the church. And so when we talk about change of levels and those things, we're not just throwing around words. We're talking about where God can take you from tiny and small and struggling and it looking like there's nothing even on the horizon that will look like things are going to go brighter. But God, one drop, that's what an evangelist is supposed to do. One, one pastor said to me, you evangelists just come in, blow up, blow in, blow up, and blow out. I said, that's a good, that's what we're supposed to do. We don't have, the, we don't have two years with the church. You come and let it rip, and then God, there's like an acceleration anointing on it to take you from where you are now to where God has you to be. So I, I, I saw you there. I wanted to, him to share that testimony. I want you to have an expectation tonight. That God is going, God hasn't called you here to waste your time or just for religious devotion. Anytime God calls a group of people together, he calls them together to bless them. Today will be the smallest you ever are in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Can you say amen? One more thing. So listen, you know, the, the pastor and the evangelist is part of the fivefold ministry, right? They work together. And so I remember sitting down with him at, at a, uh, over some uh, sushi and stuff like that, which was terrible, by the way, um, but working this thing out, and I, I just was open to the, to the move of God. Now, here's what happened. Every time Jonathan has come back and preached, there's always been a deposit. Yeah, people come, and then people leave, right, because they come in. There's people that belong to other churches, but they come in for the meetings. But then there's people that, that, that God brings in that doesn't come from another church, and it leaves a deposit. And these are the people that I've noticed that we end up working with that are on my staff now because of the spiritual deposit that, that, that comes with the evangelists. That's why pastors and that if, where's the camera? Over here. Listen, if you're watching and you're a pastor and you don't have an evangelist in, or if you don't carry the gift of the evangelist, you're doing yourself a disservice because you're missing out on some of the greatest people that God wants to bring to your church. Can someone say amen? And we blew up from that moment. And just in case you're new to this thing, that's the, the, that's the top church in the southern New England district of the Assemblies of God now as far as, you know, on every metric, attendance and everything else. Yeah, I mean, well, well you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to build a, a new church in Massachusetts for a few thousand dollars. So it all, it all goes together. That's what I'm saying. I believe in, that's why I, I believe in salvation and healing. I don't believe in prosperity. It all goes together because when people start getting saved and you outgrow the building, God's not stupid. The same flow that brings salvation and healing and deliverance brings prosperity for your new level. So get ready for the best night you've ever had in your life. Amen. Give the Lord another great hand clap. You can be seated. Thank you, everybody. How many of you came ready to receive from the Lord tonight? I want you, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to Genesis chapter 1.
Genesis 1.26. Foundational to every understanding of the things of God is to understand God's original plan for man. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man, and in, in this translation it says human beings, to include women, which is right. Let us make man in our image to be like us. Let us make man in our image to be like us. God created man to be like him. We're not the same as fish. We're not the same as apes. We're not the same as dogs. If you own dogs, they're great. We've had dogs my whole life. But you're not going to go home and your dog decided to take down the Christmas decorations and vacuum the carpet. They don't produce anything. They're nice companions. They're nice to hug. It's nice having somebody that when you've been gone for 40 minutes to Giant Eagle and come home, they treat you like you just finished your second tour of duty in Vietnam. Just flipping out and jumping around and going nuts. That's nice. But animals don't produce anything. You don't go uh, scuba diving and dolphins are now wearing pants and have different fashion for the spring. They're naked swimming around. Animals, they don't produce. They subsist. And that's what people do without God. Without God, man subsists. Rent money, car money, gas money. I can't go to church. Most people, if you invite them to church, they're not going to say, no, I'm not coming. I hate God. They're going to say, I can't. I have to fill in the blank. I can't come to church. I have to work. All those guys that help us on the airplanes over at the, the, the FBO across the street, that airport, they all love me. They follow me on Instagram. All of them work Sundays. So what happens, I'm not preaching against work, but what happens is man doesn't order his life properly. It's not God. And then, you know, I remember my dad, I, I, I guess he just shaped me that way. Tell your coach you have Royal Rangers on Wednesday and we have church on Sunday. And then even if I told him, we have a little league game, but it's not till two in the afternoon. Church is over by noon. Nope, Sunday's the Lord's Day. My dad, you know, that, that was just, I was taught from a young age that it's God first. Any kind of contradiction with the things of God and life, then the things of life take a back seat. If, there's, if I have finals coming up and there's a, a revival service going on, you know, ho hope you do well. Find a way to study. But church, church and God and the things of God came first. That's the original way man was ordered. And what you find out is, if you put God first, the golden scripture of the Bible, Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when you do, all the other things that you see everybody dying and striving and lying and cheating and stealing trying to get, I will just add them unto you if you'll just put me first. January is what month of the year? First, second, third, last, first. So that's why the fast starts right at the beginning. You take the first day of the week in church, the first months of the new year. And just to show you what's going on globally in the body of Christ, I wanted to show you this. This was a meeting that took place tonight in Nigeria, so it was about eight hours ago or so. It's actually still going on because they're praying through the night like we're going to do next Friday. By the way, uh, next Friday's all-night prayer. Monday, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown will be here at 7 o'clock to do that service. Friday, Dr. Jesse Duplantis will be here to do Friday, and then we'll go to all-night prayer after that meeting ends. So the middle layer of the fasting and prayer is going to be the meat of the sandwich. Amen? <laughs> but just a, you've heard me say that when we fast and pray at this church, we're not doing our own thing, or it's not something I cooked up. It's, it's something we've decided to do along with the entire global body of Christ. 
If you were here the other night, Bishop David Oyedepo, I, I told you, said, I had an American pastor ask me, why don't we have the miracles in, in America that you have in Africa? And he said, I just answered, you don't do what we do. Where do you know that has all night prayer in America that isn't a South Korean church or an Indian church or a, a, would be, or a West African church? That's it. But as far as American church, there's a very sparse commitment to prayer. Now, obviously, you can see that's flipping even now. One thing I've noticed, I was telling Adalis, is that the, 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 I blame the problems in this country on Christian leadership because you can't blame the people. The people are hungry. It's not like we're here and all our staff's here and we can't get anybody to come. And that's what I heard my whole life. You know, if you call a prayer meeting in America, nobody shows up. But if you call a, a chicken dinner, whatever, it's actually not that way here. And then when we had church uh, on Sunday, on, on Christmas Day and Christmas Eve, when it was six degrees outside and they were canceling things for weather, the building was full. First of all, Pittsburgh people are not weak people. They're either factory workers themselves or the descendants of factory workers. I think they actually take it as a challenge if there's bad weather to show they can still get to church, even if they're not Christians. Can you say amen? So, so there's been this accommodation of people where you treat Christians uh, like they're weak and busy. And, but you've seen, one thing I've enjoyed in these 12 and a half months is you've seen that if you open the doors for people who are hungry and stop gearing church for people who don't want to be there, but gear it for those that are hungry. Blessed are they that are hungry for they shall be how many of you came hungry tonight for the things of God amen so I wanted to show you a clip from tonight because in Nigeria they're going to start fasting on the 11th but basically everybody's doing the month of January around the world I want to show you how many people are, are praying now originally they built a building that was a mile long by half a mile wide they outgrew that building so that building's now the overflow building and um, the new one is three kilometers by three kilometers, which is 1.9 miles wide by 1.9 miles long. Think of that. And it seats one million people. And they're having all night prayer there. I want to tell, uh, we've, got about a, we've had over a thousand people watching every night. I want you to be here next Friday. I think it would be just such a, I should think a better, of a better term, but I, do, I won't use, overuse this. But I do feel like if we have this place packed for all night prayer, Friday with people praying through the night. I think it would be the, uh, the biggest middle finger to the devil that after $10 trillion of public school indoctrination and commercials and movies and marketing, you still can't keep the American people from getting on their faces. And actually, it'll also be a sign of the opposite of what they say, that when, when God blesses people, they forget about him. No, we are in this nation. We're going to remain a first world nation that enjoys the blessing of God, but still... The, you don't have to wait till you're in crisis to call on the Lord. You, you can pray ahead of time. Daniel did his praying ahead of time. He didn't start calling out to God in the lion's den. He prayed three times a day. And then when they put him in the lion's den, you don't catch him praying at all. If you do your praying when you're not in trouble, you won't be in trouble much. If you do your praying ahead of time, you don't have to go from crisis to miracle. You can go from miracle to miracle, glory to glory, and strength to strength. Because that's the God that we serve if you'll put him first. Amen. So watch what our brothers and sisters are doing about six time zones over. Roll it, guys. I want you to see this. All your prayers tonight will be answered by fire. Look at it. Before the sun rises tomorrow, 
you will be shouting wonderful And for the rest of this year, 80 years old, on a daily basis, God will do something wonderful for you. So shall it be. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Well, let someone shout hallelujah. God bless you. Let's go back to our seats. Thank you, Lord. Now think, if you sit in the back and you want to get saved, you have to run two miles. When I used to watch these meetings, I think, man, that's awesome. People are running to the altar. Then I thought, if you don't run to the altar, you won't make it in time before the end of the service. <laughs> now, it's important to note that in the 1980s, this same meeting had 300 people in it. So when God explodes something, it explodes. And unless God's a racist and likes black people better than white people, then if they have that there, I can have that here. Provided we take the steps that they took, which are simply the steps of the book of Acts. That's not some anomaly. That's the book of Acts. When the Holy Ghost came upon the church, it went from 120 to 3,120, then to 5,000. Then these men have filled the whole of Jerusalem with their doctrine. Then Acts chapter 17, who are these men who have turned the whole world upside down. They overthrew the Roman Empire by prayer, fasting, preaching, teaching, and working the works of Christ. And as many of you know that are 55 and older, that used to be here. Soldiers and sailors was packed to come here. Catherine Kuhlman and Kenneth Hagen, the Civic Arena. Somebody, when I was mentioning this, one, one of you ladies brought me the, the old news clipping of the Civic Arena packed with people to pray, not just to come here as speaker, Prayer. Pittsburgh was a hotbed. Actually, sitting upstairs, I had Russ Bixler's book that he wrote chronicling uh, uh, starting co Cornerstone Television. That fire that went through all those guys, Pat Robertson, Russ Bixler, uh, Bob DeAndre down in Florida, where they all wanted to get the gospel on TV all over the country. That has to happen now. So if you want to know what the purpose of these meetings are, it's to take it to that. Because if you're waiting on there to be a new speaker of the house and you think that's going to change anything, you need to get delivered from smoking crack. <laughs> the only hope for America is a powerful shaking of the power of God on this nation, and we're contending for it. And I have news. It's not throwing dice and hoping they come up lucky sevens. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will, not I might, I will hear from heaven, and I will heal or revive 
or restore their land. Does America need healed? Yes, it does. Are the Republicans and Democrats going to do it? No, they're not. Can God through the church do it? Yes, he can. I'm glad to be in a room full of people that God's going to anoint to destroy every plan of the devil for this nation and see America changed by the power of God. Come on, if that sounds like you, one more time. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Somebody shout a living hallelujah. Genesis 1, God's original plan for man. God said, let us make man in our image to be like us. Made to look like God, made to be like God. When Jesus came back to earth, that's what he was restoring. The same work you see me do, you shall do. Jesus didn't talk like a religious person. Now listen, you understand I'm healing people because I'm God's son. Don't you try doing it. No. With faith... All things are possible to him who believes. Man was created in God's image and his likeness. If you start teaching people they come from lower forms, monkeys, and came from fish, then they start acting like animals. That's what happened. You sow doctrines of devils in people, it produces the behavior of devils. You teach people in public school they come from animals, and then you can't figure out why you can't get them to stop uh, acting like animals. But if you teach people the Bible that people come from God, then man naturally aspires to reach and act like his creator. Can you say amen? Because that's God's, I want you to see yourself here, what you originally were in God's plan. Say, I was created in God's image and in his likeness. Then what robbed that? Sin robbed it. Once sin came, by the sweat of your brow, Will you eke out a living through work? Man began to grovel. Man began to have murder in his family and broken home. That's what sin brought. But because so many people only know that part of things and the gospel's not preached, people think that's how life is. Well, you know, nobody can live like that. Everybody has, pro- everybody has problems. Everybody has problems come. But never mistake a challenge for a defeat. You live in the world. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But the verse did not end there. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And in the Amplified Bible, I have stripped it of having any power to harm you whatsoever. I live in this world, but I'm not subject to the powers of this world. I am joined as a believer with Christ. He is the head, I am the body, and he's given me dominion to rule and reign in the affairs of life. Say, I'm created like God. He he made us like him. That's why man can create. Nothing else creates. Only man creates. Even if you don't consider yourself creative, you do things like, what if we put a shed out in the back to store our lawnmower because it's taking up space in the garage? Those are ideas. That's creation. You build something that didn't exist before because we're created in the image of God. Let us make man in our image to be like us. They'll reign over the fish in the sea the birds in the sky, the livestock of all the world and the animals of all the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. And so God created man in his own image, in his image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, what did God do? Everybody say, I'm blessed. God blessed man. That's why we're not running around trying to save sea turtles and stuff. In fact, every time they give me a paper straw, I feel like grabbing a plastic straw and jamming it through a sea turtle's head. You don't have to amen that. I'm just telling you. 
just confessing how I feel. Because God did not create man to take care of the earth. God created earth to take care of man. God did not create us to be under cows and under fish. God created us to rule over the earth. Man has dominion over the earth. Can you say amen? Look, I've given you, uh, God said, be fruitful, multiply. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. So what is the blessing specifically? Because that word blessed is such a general word that nobody ever takes the time to read in the Bible what it, what it pertains to. You know, you could find any Catholic or, or, or Episcopal or Presbyterian or Assemblies of God person. They don't. How many believe when you're a Christian, you're blessed? Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. I believe in being blessed. But then if you start to get into the Bible on what that blessing is, they have a problem. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. But what is the blessing? God didn't just write that word blessed and didn't say every time you sneeze, thou shalt be blessed. The blessing does not pertain to when you sneeze. Someone says, God bless you. The blessing is real. And the blessing, the Bible not only tells you what it is, it tells you how to attain it. I want you to, know, I want you to leave this place so confident and so intoxicated that you're blessed, that you're highly favored, that you're not an accident, you're of divine design, that before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you, God had numbered your days, and God had a plan for your life. When you start thinking like that, depression can't find your house. Sadness and sorrow leave your life. I'm not here by accident. I'm here by divine design. Can you say amen? My, my friend, Pastor Brian, was slinging meth in California, Nevada. That's what he did for a living. Drug dealer. Got busted as low as you could be in life. And when he came to Jesus, Jesus didn't say, now what am I supposed to do with you? You've messed your whole life up. No, he, he didn't just save him. He made him a pastor. And you know what happens now? As that Fitchburg, Massachusetts, where he's at, has that major opioid epidemic. Those people come in, and now they don't have a pastor. They say, well, I don't know what to do, man. You're an addict. Said, no, I know. Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Know what you're going through. I was you. But Jesus came and picked me up and turned me around. So I want you to know, if you don't have one, if you don't have one positive story in your life, if everything's been negative, tonight can be the night where everything turns around. How does it turn around? Uh, it starts turning around because I'm going to start trying harder. No, it starts turning around. The gospel's too simple for people. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, believe what the Bible says about you, and then start speaking what the Bible says. I mean, no, I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's not a Bible verse. Don't start speaking what religion says. Speak what the Bible says. I'll give you a few of them. I can do all things. How many things? You know, I don't test well. No, quit talking like that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Say this out loud. I'm not like everybody else. I'm not going to live like everybody else. My dad's been on my mind a lot today for some reason. He would tell me that all the time. You know, hey, dad, what everybody's doing. You're not everybody. God's hands on your life, son. He's going to use you. Keep yourself pure. Don't live like everybody else lives. I'm not watching the commercials to see what to expect when I turn 50. Are you a man that's 50? Did you know you have a greater chance of prostate cancer? That's not a Bible verse. 
So your attempt to sell drugs and make money is not going to influence how I feel about myself. Can you say amen? amen. I'm not keeping an eye on birthmarks. I'm not, I, I'm not, that's not in my mind. I'm not here trying to live. I'm not here to be used by the pharmaceutical companies as an asset to make money. I am here to be anointed by the Holy Ghost and make an impact on my generation. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of Almighty God. And so are you in Jesus' name. I said, so are you in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, can you shout amen? amen? He blessed them and said, now what's the blessing? He blessed them. This was the blessing. First commandment God gave man was not don't commit adultery, don't smoke cigarettes, don't chew tobacco. The first command God gave man in that blessing was be fruitful and multiply. This church hasn't even hit that yet. As, as much as we praise God for everything that he's done, everything we've seen right now has been addition. But we're going to move to multiplication. Amen. What you saw on that screen is multiplication. That's not everybody trying to bring a friend to church. That's just God ripping the doors off of the gates of hell and the people rushing in to receive Jesus Christ. And that's one denomination in, in Nigeria. There's others that have meetings that are similar in size. Several others that have meetings that are similar in size. Take the nation by storm. Hold the nation upright by the power of God because the church is marked out in the last days to be set highest above all hills. The, this is the golden age of the church. This is the golden age of the church. If there was ever a time to plug into church, it's now because this is going to be an adventure where God is going to rapidly increase those that are plugged into his house. Those that appear in the courts of our God are like trees, become strong like trees. They go from glory to glory. When they appear before, those that appear before me in Zion, you're coming to church and being fed the word of God, the spiritual bread, the spiritual water, the spiritual milk, and the spiritual meat, just like you eat to nourish your body. This comes and brings a power to your spirit. It brings a power to your mind where you can't be deceived. Many of you had that already. That's why when, when Fauci was saying all that he was saying about how many people were going to die, and you better lock yourself in your house, and you better mask up. Some of you couldn't even articulate it, but something just didn't sit right with you. I don't believe that guy. I don't believe that's how it's going to happen for me. Now that all the numbers are coming out, it's actually astonishing that they keep lowering and lowering the numbers and finding out that basically uh, everything they said was fear and contrived. And we know all the, all the plot behind it to close down the church and everything else. Why did you have something in you that wouldn't buy those lies? It wasn't your mind. You couldn't have debated foul or debated the CDC. You just said, no, I don't believe that. I don't believe I'm going to die this year. I don't believe I'm going to die next year. I believe I'm going to live and declare the glory of God. I believe I'm healed. There was something from the word that would not let you go down with the rest of the ship. And the Bible says, and I'm not throwing this in so you come to more services, but the Bible says we have in the book of Hebrews, we have to stay with what we heard, or like Israel coming out of Egypt, will fall away from it. The more time you spend, it's like if you're an airplane pilot. If you quit flying, how long, how much do you have to keep flying continuously before, like if so much time has passed, how much time has passed where you'd have to like requalify and couldn't fly anymore? Do you know roughly? I know it very per plane. Six months. 
my pilot friend tells me. If you, you could be a great pilot, if you haven't flown a plane in six months, then, well, things have changed. You know, uh, life's not static. It keeps moving. There's different qualifications, so you need to fly again. You're, you're out of practice. So you don't just take, you know, a period of your life and read the Bible. and Okay, and I've, I've mastered that now. It's not Mark Twain. It's a living book. And so because your flesh is also living and moves away from God, it's of the utmost importance that you stay plugged in to hearing the word of God. Faith cometh by and two hearings. Hearing and hearing. Continual hearing. That way you don't end up like, oh, I know the faith message. We used to go to meetings like that. You don't look like you go to meetings like that anymore. Your face is in a permanent frown. I don't see any joy in your eyes. Because you were hooked up to the source, but the goal is not to get hooked up and then unplugged. The goal is to stay plugged in to God. And that's what I've been seeing people do at this church, just staying plugged into God. My friend Chuck in the back, this dude, I watched him get saved at the beginning of last year and then just, just advance and get baptized in the Holy Ghost and then go from cutting hair as a barber at somebody else's salon to launching out and, and starting his own barber shop. And, just, and that's in less than a year because he stays plugged in. That, that's, that's my story. I'm telling you, there will never be a day where, well, we used to have great meetings at Revival Today Church. You know, that time seems to have passed. Now. No, God is alive. You can jump off the ship if you want, but if you stay plugged into God, you will never see a top level. There is always a new top with God. This church is full of very successful people. I want to tell all the success. I had a word for people that are low. I want to have a word for people that are high. You never will hit the top with God. I want this time of prayer and fasting to instill something in those that have already seen success. That other people would consider you successful. Know that God is proud of what you've done. But if you'll stay with him, he'll never say, I'm done with you. You actually achieved more than I thought you would. I don't have anything left for you to do. No. If you stay with God, you go from glory to glory, victory to victory, and strength to strength. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18. The path of the upright is like the first break of dawn that shines brighter and brighter, the first light of dawn, that shines brighter and brighter until the full light of day, until high noon. You keep rising with God. You go out on top with God. Billy Graham, when he turned 90 years old, said, I want to have one more meeting before I go to heaven. And they hooked it up for him to do it digitally. And he preached to over 1 billion people at one time by media at 90 years old. You never lose relevance with God. God never says, well, you're 55, now you're starting to get AARP. You know, think about winding down. That's not God. God will actually explode you when you turn 60. He'll explode you when you, when you turn 70. Most of what I'm doing right now is to position myself so that if Jesus tarries when I'm 70 and 80 years old, there's a way to do the ministry at my age, 42, where you're going to be done at about 60 or 62. But there's the Summerall, Hagen, uh, uh, Shambach way, where if, if you do it right, you'll actually hit your biggest promotion at 70 years old, and then another promotion at 80 years old. There is nobody from, if you're nine years old, like my daughter in the front row, or if you're 89 years old, there's no one here that if you could have a, 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 a talk with God, he'd say, well, I don't really, you know, you're, you're a little young, you're a little old. Everybody here is in their prime with God. This is a launching time for God to hook you into his spirit and do great and mighty things with him. Say it out loud. Be fruitful and multiply. 
Give the Lord a great hand clap one more time in the sanctuary. Now say it so the devil can hear you. I'm not slowing down. I'm in my prime, baby. Tell your older friends that. We're in our 60s now. You are. But I'm in my prime. Can't you say amen? Say it again. I'm in my prime. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. The first command God gave man. It's not only contained in the blessing, the ability to be fruitful and multiply. It's like, it's like me, like in pastoring this church. Or in, let's take the church aside. When I travel on the road and do evangelism. Let's say that it's at a dead church. And the Sunday morning service was difficult. And then Sunday night, there's less people there. It looks like a failure. My wife and I had a meeting in a, in a town called Chillicothe, Ohio. That church no longer exists. This was before there was like Facebook and stuff, really. And uh, now you can kind of scout out where you're going on Facebook Live. Back then, you just kind of had to. You came there, right? Didn't you come to Ohio at that meeting from Hana? Where's your husband? He came. My friends are here from Hawaii. I'm not trying to embarrass you. But I just saw them there. They came to that meeting in Ohio. Let me tell you this story. So we go there. This guy called himself Apostle So-and-so. Invited me to the church, was telling me about like what a great ministry he had. Me and Adas go there on Sunday morning, and I'm up on the platform. There's 11 people, counting me and counting Adas. I counted everybody. I know they say evangelists make up numbers, but it was 11. I counted three times. It was exactly 11. <laughs> when I drove home from that meeting, I tweeted a question mark. So if it's still up on my Twitter account, if you search question mark, then you would know, because the whole tweet was just a question mark, because that's how I felt like, what am I doing? There's 11 people, and because of how he had talked his church up, we had announced day and night services, like we're doing here. So I thought, if there's 11 on Sunday morning, and we're going to have a Monday meeting at noon, it's going to be me and my wife staring at each other, and him. There's going to be three people here. And I thought, what am I going to do? But the kingdom of God and the blessing is built on increase. Jesus said, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn on the ear. The Bible is incorruptible seed. That's what the Bible says about itself. That means it can't be thwarted. Nothing that's built on the word of God can fail. Everything that's not built on the word of God will fail. When I was in high school, I had to hear how great the Chinese economy was. They're having a hard time. You build something on the Bible, it can't fail. Jesus said, anyone who builds his life on my teachings and on my word is like a wise man who builds his life on the rock. The winds blow and the waves crash, but the house will still be standing firm. Say with me, incorruptible seed. Incorruptible seed. It can't, anything that has its roots in the Bible can't be corrupted. My marriage, if I make it a Bible marriage, now if you want to go get your own idea of a marriage and have multi-person unions, two ladies, one guy, like they're done in other, other countries starting to do here, let me know how it works out. It won't work. You can't alter. There's actually a scripture verse that says, we can do nothing against the truth, only for the truth. You can fight against this all you want, but it won't do anything to it. It's like kicking a skyscraper. Your foot eventually will break. You're not going to do anything to that building. This is a, an eternal, the grass withers, 
The flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Anything I build on that word is built like a rock foundation. This church is unshakable. I'm talking Revival City Church. It's an unshakable church. Forget if local people had a problem with the church. If the Department of Justice of the United States made it their number one ambition to take this church down, you can't do it because it's built on the word of God and the word says about the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. When you tie yourself into the Bible, you are building an undefeatable life, a life that can't be submarined by any. The devil actually doesn't know what. He doesn't even have a plan about what to do about this book. When Satan, not a demon, Satan himself came to Jesus, how did Jesus... He said one thing. Jesus said, it is written. Second temptation, it is written. Third temptation, it is written. And the devil, the Bible says, Satan left him alone for a season. He had no answer, never argued with it. Do you know why most people struggle in life that are Christians? They don't know the Bible. I need prayer. You don't need prayer. You need to know what the Bible says. Not know it. Know it on the inside where it's unshakable. You know, I thought I knew March 2020. I thought I knew healing scriptures. But then when you're put to the test and you have other full gospel ministers call you and say, I heard you're still going to travel and preach during uh, COVID. You know, if you get sick and die, you're going to make us all look bad. And you start thinking, you know, am I doing the right thing? What does the Bible say? But I know what it says. And I, I had to make a choice. Do you know what it says or do you believe what it says? When it says Exodus 23, 25, if you serve me, I will take sickness and disease out of your midst. The number of days you will fulfill. I made up my mind. I was going to side up with the word of God. And if I was going to fail, it was going to be because God's word failed. But you know what? This word never fails. God is too faithful to fail. If you'll do and believe what God said to do and believe, the grass will the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. And the same way the word stands forever, the man that has this as his main thing in life cannot be shaken and cannot pass away. This person might be watching, so I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just using an example. I'm not using your name or anything, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Somebody wrote me today they're having financial problems, and they didn't write, like, begging from another state far away. And they were having financial problems. They said, and we don't, I don't understand because we tithe and give offering. We're partners with your ministry. Something's wrong. So I just wrote, where do you and your husband work? Now, she doesn't have to work, but the Bible says a man that doesn't work should not eat. Not, not doesn't have a right. God detests laziness. You can get, tithes and offerings are not to sidestep work. I work. I have the dry cleaning bills to prove it. I'm not posting a, a prayer point on my Instagram story and watching TV tonight. Revival Today Church, here's our prayer point for today. Send. All right, we're past the popcorn. We're, I'm doing the sower sows the word. Can you say amen? amen. Leading prayer means doing, doing what a minister is supposed to do. Minister the word to the people. Pray, all that stuff. So I said, where do you work? They worked. Something's wrong. Because you can't. 
You, you, you can't be. There's no exceptions. There is no exceptions to, to the Bible. There's none. Where do you go to church? I wrote. Well, we haven't been going for several years. We, we were betrayed at our last church. So I said, I said how much money do you need? Send it. They're nice people. I said, make sure, please make sure you're in church this Sunday. You alter it. You screw your own life up. Oh, we're not going to church right now. We have like a home group. You're screwing your life up. Home group. There's not a substitute for a church. We meet in our home. Do you know how many rich people? And I'm a rich person, so if you think I'm knocking rich people, I am one. But if I wasn't a Christian, if I wasn't a pastor, I'd be in church. I'd have a pastor. Some of you knew me when I was an evangelist only. I was in church every Sunday I wasn't preaching. I'm in church on Sunday on vacation. I'm a Christian. I go to church. That's why the Bible has warnings about not being a rich person who's high-minded. Some rich people can't go to any church unless they're on the board or unless they have a speaking opportunity. Because they're so used to controlling everything in life that they can only be a part of something if they can control it or they're speaking. They can't just sit and listen to something. Now, we don't have people like that here. I'm just saying, you know, you've got to remember, there's another 1,100 people watching. So I don't alter. There's no exception for me. Well, Lord, I've been preaching the last 48 days in a row, and now the only day I'm going to be home Saturday and Sunday. Surely you understand that I need a rest. No. I found churches during the lockdown that were open. The first Sunday when there was almost no churches that were open of the lockdown, my wife and I drove two hours south to Clarksburg, West Virginia, to be in Pastor Luke Brueger's church down there. If I had to drive further than that, I'd drive. I don't understand. I sound angrier than I am. I'm actually not angry. I'm actually in a very good mood. But I haven't eaten, so I, start, I sound mean when I fast, but I'm not angry. I, you will be shocked how little prayer you need in life. I'm talking pray for me. Like that kind of prayer. I don't mean praying with, 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 communing with God, praying for other people. But as far as you saying, I need prayer, please keep me in prayer. The pray for me, pray for me, keep me in prayer syndrome is a product of altering what God said. I have never, nor will I ever, ever for the rest of my life, guaranteed, unless that book's a lie, ever have to message anyone privately, can I please have some financial help? Because I'm taking the steps... The Bible tells you what to do to stay healthy. The Bible tells you what to do to live long on the earth, specifically. The Bible tells you what to do, not to have your needs just met. The Bible gives you the steps to take to operate with an overflowing cup. Say this with me. Seed time, seed time. And, harvest. and harvest. Yeah. So with that couple, I knew. I could have gone down a checklist. Joel Osteen's father, John Osteen, one of the finest men who ever walked the planet, he had a sermon he preached about the checklist. Like when a car goes wrong, you go down the checklist. Aircraft, they got to go through the checklist, I know. before I've seen the pilots do it. We'll take off in a second. They got to make sure everything's functioning properly because there's no breakdown lane at 40,000 feet. Once you're up there, it's over if something goes wrong, no matter how many emergency doors there are. <laughs> if we're having problems, there'll be masks that drop down from the ceiling. That way you'll die with a mask on. So they have checklists that go down. Well, you know, in life, I could have run down a checklist. If you're a Christian who's tithing and you're saying it's not working, God's, God's perfect. There's nothing that doesn't work with God or his word. So you, you pray like David did. What was David's, why was David a man after God's own heart? 
Search me, O Lord. Point out anything in me that offends you. Because the problem's not with you. And many people don't blame God anyway, especially church people. But they'll blame the devil. But if the devil has had all his power taken from him and has been put under my feet, he's a non-issue. We've spent, I don't know if we've spent one minute in the first week of prayer and fasting binding Satan. He's already been stripped of power. He's not, he can't stop me from preaching. He can't stop the word of God. He can't stop anything that has to do with, 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 with the Christian life. He can't, he can't occupy the same space as me. I'm not sure he knows where I am. My life is hid with Christ in God. So I don't wonder why God's not doing it, and I can't blame the devil. I go down a checklist. What, what's with me? If something's not working, what have I missed? Have I forgiven people? Do I hate my mother? Do I hate my father? Did I like the example I'm giving? We got hurt and we haven't gone to church in three years. The only person that you're going to get hurt worse. I made up my mind as a little kid, as a preacher's kid. Anybody, because you listen to preacher's kids, they all talk about how it's hard and people were hard on them in church. I made up my mind, if anybody tries to run me out of church, I'll make it my mission at 11 to run them out of church. That's just me. But you're never, why would I allow anybody to hinder my relationship with God? Now, my dad has lived a clean, holy life. But let's say my dad, let's say I got a phone call tonight that my dad and all his brothers all backslid on the same night. Well, well, this stuff's all fake. No. Just because I know someone who's going to hell doesn't mean I have to follow them down the road into hell. One thing you can bet your, your entire mortgage and life on, this boy will be in heaven. My relationship is not. My relationship, the author and finisher of my faith, is not the assemblies of God. It's not the, the, the Baptist church. It's not any church. My relationship is the, with the one who died on the cross for me. His name is Jesus. And with him there is no fault. He is perfect. And I'll follow him all the days of my life. Come on, if you receive that today, go ahead and do what you're already doing. Now, all, all the men declare this. Say, I'm a Bible man. All the women say this. I'm a Bible woman. I, you know, I live by this book. This is not like something to give me some positive thoughts as I go through life. This is God's manual for living. Can somebody grab me? The Pillars book by David Oyedepo and open it to the page where he, it's in the introduction where he talks about the Bible. Take your time. I want to read it because I didn't plan on talking this much about the Bible, but this is it. Why are we fasting and praying? Because it's in the Bible. I know it's in the Bible and I don't think you have to. Who cares what you think? Who are you? Are there any chapels named after you in Italy? Then I don't care what you think. I don't think you have to do all that. Who cares what you think we have to do? Who are you? Are you a billionaire? Do they have cities named after you in Brazil and Italy, like Paul? I'm going to listen to what Paul had to say by the Holy Ghost. And that, that's a thing. And, it, you know, I, I've, I've picked on Americans. I've picked on about everybody. But it, it is a thing in America. Like, like our, our mind. It's, it's in here, but it's, it's, it's not the first page. It's uh, 
he goes on this diatribe about why he loves the Bible so much. It's like a poem. So if you, if, when, you, when you find that, I'll read it to you. That's from Bishop David Oedipo again. And you watch that church. They're just, they're, he's just standing up with 200,000 people. There's 11 minutes of praise and worship. There's two minutes of offering. And then there's the delivering of the word of God. God wants his word. Yeah, that is it. Hold your Bible up. Now, do you think it's, do you, don't you find it interesting that the, whether you like it or not, the largest church in America starts every Sunday by saying, this is my Bible, I am what, I, what it says I am, I can do what it says I can do. I don't know why charismatics felt like the Bible, well, those Baptists like the Bible, we're into the Holy Ghost. Guess who wrote the Bible? <laughs> Say this with me, the Word, the Word. And, the and the Spirit agree. If you'll combine the Baptist love for the Bible with the Pentecostal charismatic love for the Holy Ghost and not, notice both groups pick on the other group. Can you set your phone so it doesn't power down after a little bit? If you'll combine this Bible, this is what I want for you. I, I, I'm not even going to try to get back to my original message. We have, to, we have the 21 days anyway. The secret to life is a passionate love for the Word of God. And I mean a love where if you read it, you allow it to correct you and straighten you out. I started hanging out around these kids, uh, uh, my fellow classmates in high school, and there was one kid I liked a lot. His name was, uh, I don't say his name because these go everywhere now. I liked him. He, had a, he, was a, he was a short guy. He was captain of the football team, and he had a fiery temper. He, he, he was, he, 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 he cursed like it was an art. I think to myself, I've never heard the English language abused so beautifully. He was like 5'3", five, 5'4", five, but you did not mess with him. I liked him. I, I was hanging around with him. I was playing football at that time, and I liked them. I liked hanging around with them. Then I, I snapped, my mother said something to me one afternoon after I came home from school, and I snapped at her. And she went, Jonathan, you've never talked to me like that before. And I went to my room, and when I, when I read my Bible that night, I read in, in, I believe it's in the book of Proverbs, don't hang around angry, short-tempered people, or you'll become just like them. And I closed my Bible. I had more reading to do, but that was it. That was the word for the day. And I got down on my knees next to my bed. I said, Father, I'm sorry. And now that I've received an impartation of anger and short-tempered, you know, ang anger, uncontrolled anger and being short-tempered can submarine your career and your life just as quick as being a drug addict can. There was a running back in the NFL that got mad at his girlfriend or fiance or wife in Atlantic City at one of the casinos, punched her in the face and knocked her out, dragged her by her hair to the room, and it was all on camera. He lost his contract. He was in his prime. No other teams would hire him because of the PR. He never... Blame the NFL again. Lost all his money. Then plus lawsuits. Anger, the Bible says, gives a mighty foothold to the devil. So you don't allow. This word, the Bible says, it searches out your inward parts. It divides marrow and bone. The Bible, being a living book, it searches you out and performs like a, a surgery. I didn't need anyone to correct me. When I read that, it jumped off the page. Hey, deal with that. That's unclean. You know, 
the Bible, when you read it, the parts of your life that are out, out of kilter, you'll feel it. It's like taking a shower with your socks on. Something doesn't feel right. You feel it. No, that needs to go. If you pray, you know they say the divorce rate in the church is as high as the divorce rate in the world. But it's not, for couples that read the Bible and pray together, it's less than one in a thousand. Because you can't stay mad at your wife. The Lord will correct you. If you snapped at your wife, the Lord will say, hey, the, my, my word says to treat your wife the way I treat the church. Do I talk to you like that when you mess up? If I did, I'd blow you into the Atlantic Ocean. Aren't you glad I deal with you gently? Well, then the way I deal with you gently, deal with your wife that way, and the Bible will correct you. And God's not correcting you to be mean-spirited. He's correcting you to keep you a vessel that's pure, fit for the master's work. Hold your Bible up again. Say, this is my Bible. It is the word of God. It contains power for all things that pertain to life and godliness. You know, you can put your Bible down. That, that, that guy Truett Cathy that started Chick-fil-A got one revelation out of the Bible. In the book of Proverbs, I, I got it. You can call Maddie off the search if she was looking for that. I, I got the thing. Um, Truett Cathy got one revelation out of the book of Proverbs. A good name is to be honored above riches. And the Lord told him about that chicken company that he had. Chicken company. Not exactly the central theme of the Gospels. But the Bible contains power and wisdom for all things that pertain to all life. Child raising. Marriage, the things everybody sucks at. God will make you a wise man in those areas. Able to navigate the affairs of life. Solomon has two women that complain. We ate my baby and then she said we'll eat mine. Uh, 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 or no, her baby died. And I'm sure it was my baby. It, it was her baby. And she, she switched him in the night. What was the wisdom Solomon had? We'll cut the child in half and you both can have half of the remaining child. And the one, nodded, the one lady nodded her head because her kid was already dead and she wanted that lady's dead too. And the other said, no, let it stay alive. She can have it. He said, that's the mother right there by the wisdom of God. They sent legal experts to Jesus to trap him and he not only would answer their questions, he would answer it in a way that shamed the Harvard scholar. Where well, they said, Bob, that was the best one you could come up with. You really seem like an idiot. Everybody say the wisdom of God. Say this, the wisdom of God is contained in the word of God. If I, if I played Bishop Oyedepo's church on the video, that 50,000 seater, when they're in the mil, middle of building it, they had a piece of equipment underneath the roof, it wasn't finished yet, huge piece of equipment, and they had already built the entrances with that piece of equipment under it. There was no way to now move that big piece of heavy machinery out from the sanctuary because it wouldn't fit through the doors. So the only two options the engineers came up with is they could shave down the foundation a few inches to make room for it to fit, which would jeopardize the, the uh, stability of the building and could make it an unstable structure. Or they could take the roof and pillars off to move the machine back out, which would cost several million dollars because they'd do that and then have to rebuild it. 
And they called him and said, which one do you want to do? And he said, I came down from my place of prayer, put my hand on my waist and looked at the piece of machinery and saw those massive tires. And I said, how many inches does it not clear by? Uh, about eight. How many inches are those tires? Uh, 22. Let the air out of the tires. And they all went, wow. And he said, rather than the two options that would have cost several million dollars, this one cost, to deflate was free, and to fill them back up with air cost $1.50. And I'm telling you this because people think that the Bible is for Sundays and for spiritual life. And then when it comes to business and child raising and all that stuff, you just figure it out for yourself. But if you get intoxicated, I mean that word, where the Bible is my, is my standard for living. All, everybody here that's 25 and younger, put your hand up so I can see it. All this stuff where they're telling you, you know, to gender, they... If you take the Bible out of society, people don't even know what gender they are. Confusion comes in. People's minds, the Bible says in Romans 1, become dark and confused. Do you know one reason I love the Bible with all my heart? Because I can't ever be confused with it. If I settle down with this book, thy word is a lamp unto you, my, my feet and a light unto my path. It shows me the way I should go. Commit your way unto me, my son, and I'll show you where you should go. Never miss it by a step. Can I tell you something? This year, 2023, you won't make one misstep in Jesus' mighty name. You will walk in the perfect will of God all 12 months of this year, whether the devil likes it or not. If you believe it, can you shout a living amen? That's why you'll never hear from this pulpit any kind of language like we all make mistakes. And we, no, no, I'm not making, I'm planning to not make mistakes. Now, let me help you out with something. Say this out loud. Perfection, Perfection. Is, not is not a destination. It's a path I walk. It's a path I walk. You're not going to wake up one morning, go to shave, and there's a halo over your head. It's working. It's every day making sure to put the flesh under the spirit and obey the word of God. Then the Bible says this, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. By redemption, every man and woman in this place has the ability to be led by the Holy Ghost. That's not something for prophets or pastors or evangelists. Every believer can hear the voice of God. The Bible says you will hear in that day, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, uh, this this is the way that you should go walk in it. To mess up, you know God loves you. You know God loves you? If I see my daughter walking on a path, me, me and my wife are hiking in Arizona with a, a Camila, and she runs up ahead, and I see her veering off the path to dangerous, rocky terrain. And adult says, hey, we need to tell her to stay on the path. Said, no, no, let her learn. Some lessons in life you only learn by plummeting 75 feet. No. As her father, and that's with my daughter. Now, if you're Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, I took him, I took him to um, the Grand Canyon. He had never been before. If you, if you can unlock that. I took him to the Grand Canyon. He had never been. It was the, the worst mistake I ever made. 
Because that guy, he's in charge everywhere he goes. And he was so concerned for people's lives. Everybody's on the edge taking pictures. He just rebuked people for 45 straight. Hey, get back from the edge. Are you out of your mind? Stand over here. You got to like hold Japanese tour groups. Why is this angry South African man yelling at us? What are you doing? He was telling me, you could die. And that's with people he's not even related to. So what do you think your father would do with you if he sees you treacherously going in a path that's going to, what did he do to me? Did God wait till I had shot three people dead in a fit of rage before he dealt with me about my anger problem in a jail cell? He did it the second the seed of that anger was being imparted to me from the people I was hanging around. They that walk with the wise shall become wise themselves, but the companion of fools shall be destroyed. Jonathan, get rid of this anger or it's going to submarine. The same way you could lose your ministry over having an affair, you could have it over punching somebody in the face, especially with all these cameras. Your Honor, I would never do anything like that. Roll the film. I'm telling you a second time tonight. You, there's a perfect will of God for you. And this year, more than any other year, you will learn to hear the voice of the Spirit saying, this is the way, walk you there. Eight years old, that angel comes to my room and calls me into evangelism. Ten years old, I go to hear my dad at that Bible college that Pastor Brian mentioned. I put my knee on the ground and I hear it in my spirit. When you're old enough, this is the school you're to attend. If we pass the microphone around tonight, there would be similar stories of people that moved here from other states. What, what did you feel? I've never met you in my life. So what happened? How do you go from sitting in Wisconsin to living in Pittsburgh? What did you, it wasn't your head. Doesn't make natural sense. What did you feel? You heard something from the heart. Then came and, and got saved a couple of Sundays ago. But already, Lord starts leading him. Get out of Wisconsin and come down to Pittsburgh and plug into that church. I'll help you there. You can hear the voice of the Lord. You don't have to be nuts. Lots of nuts people claim to, but you don't have to be. My father hears the voice of the Lord. He's, the, he's very sane. He's very, very calm. He doesn't shake it. He just hears it. You know, I, was, um, I got food poisoned real bad at the tail end of a, a, a long fast that I did back in 2014. You can ask my wife. I was, I was about to die because I hadn't eaten in 30 days, and then I got food poisoned and couldn't keep water down, and I, I was on my way out. So that actually gave me a greater compassion for praying for sick people now because you can't tell them, no, you need to listen to the word. When you're in that shape, you, don't, you can't even concentrate. When I heard that 97-pound woman that came to testify talking about how she couldn't listen, to, you can't even focus your eyes to read. I was, I was leaving. My mother calls me from Maine the night I feel like I'm going, Jonathan, I don't want to bother you. And you know I don't do this and I don't say this kind of stuff, but I was praying for you tonight. And I felt the Lord speak to me to call you and pray for you that your life is in severe danger. I said, well, go ahead. And she did. Next morning, she's in Maine. My dad's preaching in Toronto, Ontario. They haven't talked to each other. The next morning at 8 in the morning, I get a call from my dad. Jonathan, you know I don't do this. They never had done it. 
I was praying for you this morning. Nice to have parents that pray, pray for you. Now, if we took a show of hands, many of us didn't have parents that prayed for us. But that's why it's important to get saved. Because every battle you had to fight, your children are never going to have to know those battles. Because they're going to have people in their family that know how to lift them up before God. Even in these 21 days of prayer and listen, even in these 21 days of prayer and fasting, your prayers will have great effect on your family in Jesus' name. My dad said, you know, I've never said this. I just have to do what I feel when I was praying for you this morning. Never has done it before or since. I felt like your life was in grave danger. And, and I felt led to call and pray to do something about it. Everybody say pray. pray. It does something about it. Yeah, my dad didn't wait for me to die and go, yep, yeah, I had a word of knowledge that he was going to die. You pray and do something about it. Can you say amen? amen? And they both prayed for me, and it took about an another day where I couldn't even vomit, and then I went and vomited, and I vomited so hard, it, it, it corrected my back. I heard something pop in my back, and all my back pain went away. And, th and then I got better. Well, you know how the story ends. I'm not here as a ghost that you can see through. I'm alive. <laughs> how did my mom know what I was going through? I never texted, never put anything on Facebook, nothing. And then my dad heard it too. You know what that not only shows me? Not only can people hear the voice of the Lord, the Holy Spirit cares about me. To start directing people to make sure I don't die. Say this out loud. I'm very precious to God. I don't want to do one funeral this year. I'm telling you in the first part of this month. Don't. I'm telling you. I'm commanding you not to die. I did not get into the ministry to do weddings and funerals. Make up your mind in January, that we'll be together next January, and any devil that thinks differently can kiss off in Jesus' name. <laughs> Say what the Bible says. I will live, I will live. And, not die. and not die that I may declare the goodness of the Lord while I'm yet in the land of the living. All right, let me try it a third time. Listen to this now from the pastor with the largest church on planet. I love this. The word of God is the master key of life. It is able, able to open or lock any door. Listen to these words from a powerful man. I'm reading this, and maybe God's having us focus on the word tonight because you can't sidestep the Bible. You can fast and pray for 210 days. There is no fasting or prayer that's a substitute for obedience to God's word. Fasting and prayer empowers you to obey God's word. And fasting and prayer accelerates the blessings that come from obedience of God's word. But if you take the obedience out, you're just starving and praying. But when you add obedience in, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. So God's word carries God's power. When you believe it and act on it, you're actually entering in to the power of God in life. Jesus said, Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, you do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. This is, this is not behavior modification or obedience to a set of rules. When, let us make man in our image and to be like us. When you begin to live this book out, you begin to walk in how God made a man to live in dominion.
in strength, in power. That's how you're going to enjoy life, the totality of this year, in the name of Jesus Christ. The word of God is the master key of life. It's able to open or lock any door. There is nothing life demands that is not obtainable from the Bible. If I go out while I'm reading this, finish it at Dallas. There is nothing life demands that can't be obtained from the Bible. No wonder God said to Joshua in Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate. Think of this. When God appeared to Joshua, you'd think if God appeared to you, just say, now listen, I've appeared to you. You're going to have an easy go of it. Just take this experience and run with it. God appeared to Joshua to say, hey, just a reminder, don't ever let that book of the law depart from your mouth. Obey the instructions therein. Confess the word. Can you say amen? amen? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Everybody say confession. confession. Confess. Don't just believe what the Bible says. Power, the power of death and life is not in your heart. It's in your tongue. Put it in your heart and confess it out of your mouth. Can you say amen? amen. Thou shalt meditate on it day and night. Why are they having two services a day? Thou shalt meditate on it day and night. That thou mayest, why? That you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. According to all, we're not skipping. I'm not, I refuse to tailor make that book for Americans. Americans don't like to fast. Then Americans must learn to fast. Now, we cut the, now we're not going to cut all the parts out of the Bible out that Americans don't like. Otherwise, you're going to be left with two leather covers. Because they don't like the marriage part. They don't like the drunkenness part. They don't like the sexual immorality part. Flesh doesn't like the things of God. But it's not God that needs to change to accommodate the flesh. It's the flesh that must be transformed by the Spirit of God. And, and I'd just like to say, because I'm on video and these videos get out and Right Wing Watch puts it on. We've tried your way for 30 years. It sucks. It's not working. It's ruining everything. It's producing debased. It, you know, if we were having this conversation in 1950, then you could have your ideas we haven't tried yet, and we have the Bible ideas, and you could say you think your ideas are better. We've run the test. You lost. These, these principles, and I'm not trying to glorify Ben Franklin and George Washington, but the, Bi the Bible was John Jay, Supreme Court Justice. The Bible was used as the principles to govern the United States of America. And America flourished and is flourishing. I'm happy to report that with all the effort to destroy our economy, the number two economy in the world is China at 14 million and falling, and number one is America at 35 trillion that still went up during three years of every attempt to lock businesses down, fire people over vaccine mandates, and the economy actually grew because there's still a 100 million people in this country that tithe, that give offering, and the window of heaven is open over their life, and the devil hates that. <laughs> I 
We're not going to lay that Bible down. We're going to build it into people's lives. Preach it on TV. Preach it on YouTube. Preach it live. Preach the word. Timothy, preach the word. Focus on reading the scriptures till I get there. That's Paul. Know what it says. Let it have an unshakable faith in you. And I'm telling you, the more you build the word of God in you, things happen like somebody will bring somebody for prayer and it looks like they're going to die. And something just jumps on you. They're not going to die. Bring the person to me. And a scripture rises up in you. Psalm 118, 17. You shall live and not die. Those words, my words are life. Making the simple wise. When God called me to preach, I had a speech impediment. The power of that book fixed my tongue and mouth. The speech therapist quit after five years. I had no, no, no sounds that I couldn't say that I could now say. She gave up. And then God said, now let me take over. And now it's done. It should say something to you. When the California government that fights hard to legalize child pornography for fourth graders under the guise of freedom of speech, the same people that fight to do that fight to ban that book because it's dangerous. Oh, it's dangerous. It'll blow communism out of any country. If you want to make a country a communist country, the first thing you have to get rid of are all the Bibles. Because when you read the Bible... You don't have to believe in that the government's going to keep you healthy. Listen, listen to what. The only way they could gain what they gained during COVID was the absence of the Bible and God in people's hearts. I wasn't looking for Tom Wolf to keep me healthy. I have Jehovah Jireh. I have Jehovah Rapha. I don't need. You know, we qualified. We could have sent in some paperwork. Patrick's back there that runs our finance end. We could have got a PPP loan. And got 240000 Two ministers told me I was crazy. If I didn't do it, I was asking around, what, should we do this or not? And when I went to, I thought, well, why not? You know? And then I felt the Lord, as soon as I went to walk to Patrick's office, the scripture popped up to me. Then Abra, Abram said to the king of Sodom, I won't take so much as a shoe latchet from the king of Sodom, lest the king of Sodom say, I made Abram rich. And I felt the Lord speak to me, don't preach to people that they don't need to be on welfare and then take government handouts when they're offered to you. Trust me. In that year, our ministry had taken in $3 million going into that year. I'm pleased to report, and it's public knowledge anyway, we hit 15-2 this last year. I told, um, I told somebody on our board, I said... I, I would like to see what the all-time church record is for most money given by a, a church that's been in existence for one year. Because that wasn't all money from the evangelistic ministry. The church sustained itself, and the church grew mightily. Because God is just, it's like life's just little tests on whether you fully trust God or not. And if you put God first, God will make you a shining billboard in your generation that he knows how to bless best. You're going to be a billboard that advertises the great blessing of God in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you receive that, clap your hands one more time. Give the Lord a great shout of praise. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. What's the first thing it says that'll happen? What was the first thing God 
blessed man with. Be fruitful and multiply. If you never let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. I don't believe in prosperity. Then ripped all those pages out of your Bible, but they're there anyway. And then shalt thou have good success. The word is where it all begins. This is Bishop Oyedepo talking. It is the foundation of our faith. The word of God is packaged in the Bible, which I believe is the safest guide of destiny. It is the book of books, and I love it so much. It is my food. Follow me as I introduce this book, the Bible, to you in this poem. The Bible is the most valuable volume in the whole world. It is the oldest, yet the most current. The most ancient, yet the bestseller of all time. It is the most widely quoted of all texts on earth. And its principles still rule most of the civilized world today. Its laws make up most of the contents of all legal systems worldwide. And its contents touch on all aspects of human existence. Spiritual, intellectual, physical, moral, social, etc. I believe the Bible is the most dependable and reliable text on leadership. Its light penetrates the invisible with its invincible force and delivers its mission with precision. Its meat strengthens the soul and revitalizes the body. Its light shatters all darkness and shows the way to go. Its balm, B-A-L-M, heals the sick body and sets the afflicted free. Its sword destroys all satanic holds and wins all invisible wars. Its refiner's fire sanctifies all rotten lives and the principles edify and make wise. Yea, the written word is an absolute command of all the happenings in the world. The written word rules both the natural and spiritual worlds. Holding to the written word by faith puts you in command of all the happenings in the world. Surely the entire world will continue to grope in darkness without the written word of God. Without the Bible, the human race would have been doomed. I am yet to come across a man who ever regrets his commitment to the practice of this book. But many regret ignoring the values contained therein. You are always in command of the happenings of life by holding fast to what is written. You To toss the Bible aside is to stir up storms, which is bound to be devastating. Commitment to the book guarantees peace. Peace, the thing nobody has in this country anymore. 80% of the world's antidepressants consumed in this nation. There's no peace outside of the law of God, but inside the law of God, all that love thy law shall enjoy your peace. Peace like a river. If somebody that had like trouble or a troubled spirit walked into my home, you would know it even if you didn't see him. If they were downstairs and we were all upstairs, you would feel it because my home is a peaceful home. Jesus' presence is in my home because my home is built on the word. You will know peace like you've never known it before. All of 2023. In Jesus' name.
The book stimulates joy, unspeakable. Yes, it does. Full of learning. One time Pastor Brian and I were out after one of those revival meetings. We were laughing so hard that one of the, uh, the manager told our server, don't serve those guys any more alcohol. And we hadn't had any alcohol. What they try to get through Budweiser, we get from the new wine of the Holy Spirit who authored that book, Joy. Full of glory. Truly the great book holds the answer to every question and the key to every door. Every other text is made up of letters, but the Bible is made up of wonders. The effect of every other book is limited to the natural sphere, but the effect of the book of books transcends the natural to the spiritual and even to eternity. Its effect is supernaturally unlimited. Its authority is irresistible. And its force is unstoppable. The written word is a divine license for a successful and impactful living. It is a divine visa to a life of exploits. It is the way out of every trouble. The truth about all issues and the gateway to a life of fulfillment. Yea, it is designed for profitable living. Yea, the Bible is designed. Timothy, godliness is profitable unto all things. The Bible is not designed for you to avoid fun and have a miserable existence and live in a monastery, but you get heaven at the end. The Bible is designed for profitable living. Somebody say profitable living. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup. Overflow. Too much. More than enough. I am El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. Profitable living. Profitable marriage. Profitable children. My daughter doesn't suck the fun out of life. She's added something to my life. I told her we were on the trip between the, the 25th and the 31st. I said, I'll probably live 15 years longer than whatever I would have lived because we had you. Because you... Make life fun. When you have your first kid, man, like, no, it wasn't that way for me. Profitable living. Children, children are an, an inheritance from the Lord and are a reward from him. That's what I read. I didn't read what somebody said on Judge Judy. Very careful having kids. No, that's not a scripture verse. And I didn't, I didn't have the confession that my wife's a ball and chain because that's also not a scripture. The scripture is he that finds a wife finds a... And obtaineth favor from the Lord. So that's what I went into it with. The Bible will shape how you go into marriage. If you go into marriage expecting it to be awful, it'll be awful. If you expect having a child to be the worst thing that ever happened, so it'll be. But if your expectation is shaped by the word of God, God gives you profitable living. Can I tell you something? You're not going to play from behind in 2023. You're not going to see your needs barely met. You're going to live in the overflow of God, and it won't be an accident. It'll be by obeying the terms of the covenant. Is that you, Amanda? Stand up if you want so people can see you. 
I think this is the first person I ever taught the Bible to in children's church in Lexington, Massachusetts. How old would you have been? Seven. I was the children's worker. And then to see her here thriving, always has done well. Paid attention when she was seven. Here she is still paying attention all these years later. Doing well. I don't have to go visit her in county prison tonight. Can't you say amen? amen? You glad you got the Bible when you were little? You regret it? Wish your mom would have taken you somewhere else on Sunday. I like what Bishop, you can be seated. I'm glad what Bishop Oedepo said. I like what he said. I've never met anybody that followed it that regretted it. I only know people, as far as close people, I only know people that are committed to the Bible. Like my, my dad, my dad, my dad is a Bible man. He, I don't see him and he says, uh, you know, I, Jonathan, remember, I know when I, when I was raising you, I was real big on the Bible and stuff, but now the 20 years later, no, he's like bigger on it now than then. If you go to my dad's house and go in the living room, he's got a leather chair he sits in and there's a Bible and a notebook, a Bible on the one arm and a notebook on the other arm. So like, went to go see Jimmy Swaggart a few years back by accident, just happened to be in his office. He had this big office, and there was nothing in it but two Bibles and a yellow legal pad on his desk. And then when he saw me come in, he looked irritated that somebody had interrupted his Bible study time. Just once the Bible. Now he's going up on 90 years old in a suit preaching. Billy Graham, Bible man, dies at 99 and a half, told everybody he felt like he had done everything that the Lord asked him to do at 90 and was looking forward to going to heaven, and he still couldn't die for another 10 years. Too much Bible in them. Thy words are life. You read that book, something pops off the page into you. Kenneth Hagin Jr. said, I heard him say it, that oftentimes he would kiss his dad on the cheek and say goodnight on a school night. And his dad would be sitting with a dress shirt on, a pen, a legal pad, and an open Bible. And he'd wake up in the morning for school, and he had the same cup of coffee, sitting in the same chair with his Bible, writing notes. When he died, 85 or whatever, they have Kenneth Hagin Day in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he'd pack the convention center at 80-some years old, and the mayor came and heard him preach and all that. That book. Now, I, I, I take stuff. You know, I'll take uh, different supplements. You're going to put stuff in your body anyway. Might as well put something in that helps than hurts. Might as well take testosterone stuff instead of Skittles. But I'm going to tell you, if you want a supplement for life to ingest into your body, that book will make your, the Bible says it makes the simple wise. That means if you're stupid, if you spend enough time in that book, it'll make your mind extremely bright. Can you say amen? Why? Now, I'm not, I'm not knocking other literature, but why read Hemingway and all these people that were like under a spirit of suicide and alcoholics and Tolstoy and... All, the, all these authors that are exalted. What do you get out of those books? I've read them. Of Mice and Men, interesting story. But it ain't that. There's something that's amazing how they read you those storybooks when you're a little kid, but then when they read you David and Goliath, you feel like taking a run at somebody. I remember, I remember my, my first and second grade teachers in the front row reading David and Goliath to us. I remember thinking, I hope, I hope the devil's at my house when I get home. I'll kick him right in his devil groin. 
it puts something in you. Because how did God create man? He gave them dominion. So as you read David and Samson and Hollywood can't make one Bible movie without screwing it up because it's an unclean spirit that rules Hollywood. If they would just make Bible movies, you think X-Men sells? Look what happened with Passion of the Christ. It broke all records. If you made an actual and didn't screw it all up and make Noah talking to rock creatures and stuff. If you made a movie on Samson, just let the Bible be the script, it'd be the top-selling movie of all time. If you did the life of David, a trilogy, the David and Goliath part, the running from Saul part, the king and conquest part, it put Lord of the Rings to shame. Those stories, and they're real stories. You know how they know they're real? Because unlike other religious books, it tells you David committed adultery. You don't read writings of Buddha and it tells you what they did wrong. The Bible tells you. The Bible doesn't glorify any of these people. It tells you what they did right, and it tells you what they did wrong because they're real stories. And the Bible says they were common, ordinary men. Elijah was a man subject to like passions. But when he prayed, he was human. They didn't have halos. They looked like me. They looked like you. But they had at least one. Some people had more than one. Some people discovered the power of giving. Some people discovered the power of prayer. Some people discovered the power of the word of God, of prophecy. But you know what I made up my mind? I'm going to take the whole kettle and mix it all together. Everything Elijah found, everything Daniel found, everything these men found, we're going to grab all those cats by the tail, and we're going to see America taken by storm in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you're with me, rise to your feet. Give the Lord Jesus the biggest hand clap that you've ever given anybody. on your feet. Everybody say the word. word. You want to know what else the word did for me? When COVID hit and they were saying, you remember the the Dow Jones went from like 32,000 to 19,000 or let, it was dropping and it was supposed to drop further. People said, well, this might be the apocalypse and stuff. You know what scripture came came to me immediately? When I was in the office with Patrick and Magalas and told him, I said, the economy's not going to bottom out. I said, uh, the Bible says, everybody say the Bible says. The Bible says that in that day, when Christ returns, there will be buying and selling, farming and building, people being married and being given in marriage. So there's not going to be some apocalyptic book of Eli fallout 76 scenario before Christ returns. Because everything's going to run. Lester Summerall said there's going to be plenty of oil, plenty of fuel, plenty of food, plenty of everything until the coming of the Lord because this is the hour for the church to get the gospel out. Now in the tribulation, there's going to be problems. But in this day, there'll be farming and building. Everybody say building. building. Not destruction. Not all buildings destroyed and us going through some wasteland with sunglasses on from the nuclear fallout, trying to scrounge and forage for food, running video game missions for other mutilated characters to get more supplies. Everybody say buying and selling. Buying and selling. So what does that mean? Say functional economy. This church, we don't say if everybody gives $1,000 tonight, we're going to give you a, a, a box of dehydrated milk, an AK-47, and some ammunition to be ready for what's coming. 
I have a funny feeling. You know, even that, you know, another reason that scripture helped me? I told some of you the story when we were praying that anything that be held up be released, that someone sent my wife five AR-15s and a 45. Do you know when they sent them to us? The end of February 2020. Then COVID hit in March, and it started playing tricks with my mind. Because you start hearing all the, uh, maybe the Lord got us like ready to blow all our neighbors away if they come for our <laughs> Stouffer's frozen food. <laughs> right? It was like, you're like, yo, why did the Lord give us all this? Start looking at your neighbors funny. And then some guy, no, I don't think God's plan for my life in the last days is to shoot my neighbors as they <laughs> run out of food. Everybody say the word of God. It's designed for profitable living. The more committed one is to its principles. Listen to that. The more committed one is to its principles. You determine your level of commitment. I told you I played football. I skipped every mandatory workout there was. I know it's hard to believe, I know it's hard to believe looking at me, but I did. I hate weights. I hate gyms. I hate any physical movement whatsoever. And then you had other people that went to all the mandatory ones and extras and hired their own speed coaches. And guess what? They played a lot more than me. Not because the coach liked them more than me. Because of their commitment to football. It's not God who determines how high you fly in life. It's your commitment to the principles. The more committed one is to its principles, the more profitable life becomes. The word is water, milk, meat, and strong meat, and is able to meet, M-E-E-T, all our physical fitness needs. It is the wisdom of God in print, and is able to make wise the simple. The word is a spiritual hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. It is the eternal truth about God, man, the world, and the world that is to come. The word of God is certainly the principal pillar of destiny. Without it, we can do nothing, as all of the pillars are built upon it. The quality and quantity of the word of God you have, the quality and quantity of the word of God you have is what determines your destiny and how much of the benefit of the other pillars you enjoy. Note that it is not enough to know and preach the word. You must practice and live the word in order for it to profit you. Until you allow the book to enter your heart, darkness will continue to reign. Do you want to shine? Then you must have a word encounter in whichever area of life you desire to shine. So come along with me as we go through some sample teachings on the subject of the word. Then he goes into the rest of the book. I love, I think that's the third time I've read that in a one-year-old church, because I just, anytime I start talking about the Bible, you can't put it into words better than that man did. The Bible that carries that life to finish what I started with, 11 people on Sunday, and have to do that week of meetings, and it looks like it's going to be, you know, you're in like a 70-seat church, 11 people, it's just a complete failure. You feel like canceling the meeting. And I felt the Lord speak to me. This book demands an audience. Just stand there and preach it, and the Bible in itself carries increase. So watch what happens. 
So that's what I did. Just loaded the messages with the Bible. And we came, yeah, Monday morning, there was hardly anybody there. Monday night, actually, no, that's not true. Sunday morning, there was 11 people. One of the ladies that came that got healed was from a church across the street. And uh, or knew people from that church, then went on the afternoon and told people. So we come Sunday night. There was 11 Sunday morning. Sunday night, about 20-some from that other church that she told all came. So now we're already up at like 30-some, which is nothing, but it's triple what you started with. Everybody say this, despise not the day of small beginnings. I'm telling you as your pastor, don't worry about where you are now. That's what the devil specializes in. And I said, look at you now. You don't have any money. It's not where you are now. Don't mind where you are now. Mind where you're going. Just like you could have a billion dollars in the bank, and if you're playing your cards wrong, like, my, like the founder of FTX, you can go from billionaire to broken in jail. And if you're following the right thing, you can go from broken in jail to billions. Your amen was weak. Don't mind where you are now. That's the devil. It's not working. If it was working, it would work by now. You've been tithing for over two weeks. You're not a millionaire. Everybody say seed time time. and harvest. harvest. No farmer puts a bunch of seed in the ground and comes out five days later and goes, this farming stuff was a load of crap. Field looks the same as when I planted the seed. There's no crops at all. Seed time and harvest. So 30-some Sunday night, most of them came back. Monday in the day, when I started teaching on faith. Monday night, 40-some. Tuesday night, we come to church, and my friends from Hana, Maui, where we were starting the church out there, and I was fasting. Because if, if, some, if, if I feel like I'm up against a wall, I, I push all the buttons on the controller. Mash them. <laughs> fasting, prayer, word, everything. Giving. So I, I come on Tuesday night, and there's all these... Hana Maui people standing outside of the church in Chillicothe, Ohio that flew in to come hear me preach, which they had never done on the mainland ever before. And if you know Hawaiians, they dress like they're in Hawaii regardless of where they are. They could be climbing Mount Everest. They're in board shorts and and slippers. They refuse to acclimate to any climate. (laughs) I'm dressing where I'm from. So they're all standing there in Ohio in board shorts. I honestly thought, I need to break this fast. I'm hallucinating Hawaiian people at, at my meeting. I said, Leo, is that you? Yeah. And Killa, and where you, where's, is, is Pastor Brad here or not? He was here last night. Uh, Pastor Brad that was here last night, he was there with his wife. They're all standing there. I said, why are you guys here? Ohio's nowhere near Maui. We just felt on Sunday that we needed to fly and be a part of this meeting. So the Lord started sending people in. He won't let me stand there and struggle. Start moving, and, they're, and they're, they're still here, attached by the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Wednesday, we closed out. I think that place had 70 seats. I think we had 82 people. Every seat full of people standing along the back. And that's from 11 on Sunday morning, and that's in four days. Because what did it? The Bible does it. Why were stadiums being packed when Billy Graham was preaching? To see people re- rip phone books in half? To see human videos? To see Christian rap groups? No. To see a North Carolina man with gray hair and a Stafford suit from J.C. Penney's, navy blue with brass buttons. The plainest suit, plainest talking, no frills. Say the Bible says, 
Billy Graham said, I noticed the more Bible I quoted, the more powerful the meetings were. So I covenanted with God never to quote less than 70 scriptures per, per meeting. So he wouldn't say, turn here, turn here. But if you go back and listen, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That he, that's all the sermons were. I remember when I went to go see him in Three River Stadium, the three people sitting behind me weren't saved. They were using like damn in hell even before the thing started. And they brought sodas with them. And, you know, you could tell they were just there to observe a famous preacher that's at Three River Stadium. Plus, it was kind of cool that you could go to Three River Stadium for free. And if you got saved, you'd go walk on the AstroTurf. Which I did respond to the altar call just because I, I wanted to stand where Barry Bonds had stood. The altar worker came and said, no, I'm good. I just, in my brain, I'm playing outfield right now. I listened to those people go from chatting and casually cursing, not disrespectfully or anything, just heathens. And then he gives the altar call, and I look back and peek. They're all crying, all three of them, grown people. Who would like to receive Jesus Christ? Lift your hand. Begin to come down from the stadium, and down they came. No masterpiece sermon. And he was, he was a very intelligent man. You think he couldn't have taught on all kinds of subjects? And the older he got, the simpler his messages got. The blood of Jesus, the cross of Christ, the importance of the word of God that addresses all issues of life. And people came by the hundreds of thousands in this country in packed stadiums to hear a man simply tell them the Bible. I'm not saying this to get out of an assignment or to get out of prayer for you. And I'm, I'm Pentecostal. I'm spirit-filled. But there is, I can shake and sweat and lay hands on you as hard as I want. If you won't obey the Bible, it won't. I can pray till blood starts to squirt out of my forehead. I can't make you obey God. I can't make you have a hunger for that word and listen to it. How many of you have been listening to us on some form of streaming platform for more than five years? Do you know why we developed that as soon as the technology came out and we couldn't even afford to do it? We had no money back then. I felt the Lord speak to me. You preach when you go on these evangelistic meetings and get people turned on to the Bible, and then they have nowhere else to listen to it. The rest of the Bible, not that there's no other ministers, and I'm not saying I'm the only one, but they get turned on to the faith message, and then they don't hear it again after you leave town. Their church goes back to normal, and they don't talk about those things. So start putting it out every, put the word out every day. Man, do you know what it does for me? Like, like this morning when we're on YouTube and somebody's commenting, I've never heard anything like this before. This is awesome. A couple months ago, what is this? I've never heard this kind of thing. I'm from Slovakia. What is this? What, what is he preaching out of? My dad, my dad's YouTube channel has been blowing up. He has people working almost round the clock, shipping Bibles out from people all over Europe that are hearing it. My mother, the whole family didn't know the Lord. Going to a Polish Catholic church with one Bible. I'm not picking on the Catholics. One Bible behind the pulpit. Only the priest is allowed to have it. And the masses are done in Polish, which almost nobody spoke, in an antiquated form of Polish that even if you were Polish, you can't understand. Just like, and then they'll do it in Latin at the other churches. It's all, and it sounds, people think that's like holy because, oh, I don't understand it. The Bible's meant to be understood. Bible's meant to be meditated on. The Bible's meant to be believed. The Bible's meant to be spoken, not out of the preacher's mouth, out of your mouth. Amen. Went to church every Saturday. No change. Nothing but problems. 
Oldest sister already pregnant from a guy that's in prison. Whole family in poverty. Dad dead from mesothelioma and lung cancer. The curse. Then somebody packs my mother a tract at the mall at Christmas time. She got saved, got herself a Bible, started reading it, started riding her bike to church. And oh, what a change. Blistered through that whole family by the word. Turn the whole family around. How many know Pastor Kofi that goes to this church? Never. Who, who lives in Ghana and doesn't get saved and comes to Massachusetts and gets saved? How did you miss Jesus in West Africa and find him in New England? <laughs> Curious. Kofi gets saved in New England. Nobody saved in his family. No Christians. Kofi was living wicked in Ghana, moves to Bronx and becomes a party planner in the Bronx. For not, part, not birthday parties. <laughs> party party. Gets saved. Goes to Bible college. He's preaching tonight in Florida at a conference on his own. He's, a, he's working at Walmart. Not there's anything wrong. Walmart's great. It's where you get video games that come out after midnight. <laughs> was a, the, the furthest thing, but you don't get ministry connections working at Walmart in the stock room. He had nothing. He was in sin, under the curse. The Bible came in. Then he starts flying back to Ghana, business class, in his early 30s, and running a food and clothing program for widows and orphans in his early 30s. And when I went to Ghana to preach, a tall, thin person who looked exactly like Kofi came up to introduce himself to me. I was going to say, are you related to Kofi? But then if he's not, you just look like a giant racist. <laughs> <laughs> So then he said, he said, you know, Kofi, I'm his brother. He wasn't saved. Kofi led him to the Lord. You know where I met him? At Dag Haywood Mills' Bible College. That Kofi's paying the tuition for his brother to go to Bible College. He said the last time he went to Ghana, his mother just drove him around, had him drive her around town and said, stop at this house just so she could introduce everybody to her son that's on TV now, that's in America, that's preaching the gospel, lift the whole family, sends money back to his mother every month, large sums. Takes care of his family in his 30s. Has a beautiful wife and beautiful children and a nice house. His boss just gave him a raise this week. <laughs> Big raise. By the bliss. How do you go from a scoundrel 12 years ago to somebody that's making an impact in two nations in your 30s? How the heck? That at 34, I'd take two 18-wheelers into North Philadelphia into the hood and say, anybody that wants groceries, come tomorrow night. I got plenty of food for everybody. When it came out of my mouth, I thought, you used to not be able to feed you. <laughs> Just go announce to the whole hood, I got organic food for everybody. Come have all you want. I'll come back with more when I'm richer. I'm here to bless you. People get saved by the thousands. It doesn't take God long. I said it doesn't take God long. I am trying to get you overwhelmed with something tonight. That you have chosen in being here tonight to be on a path. That path goes up. My dad's ministry is exploding right now. We were talking, he doesn't like me saying anything, so I'll, I'll keep it vague. He's not like me that tells the exact dollar amounts of everything. 
He's having record years financially without trying. Looking at other properties to purchase to accommodate the amount of people that need Bibles that are coming in from YouTube. My dad didn't even know how to work YouTube three years ago. Now he's got millions of views on there. By the blessing of God. Hallelujah. I talked to my dad two nights ago at 64, 60, whatever he is, 64. Not one word of I'm getting older and talking about buying a bigger building. Talking about expansion. What the Lord's speaking to him about. I like this path. The highway that leads to heaven. None can walk up there but the pure in heart. I like this path. There's not one thing this world has that has, it, it has no, it does no appeal. The goodness that God gives you, the world has nothing, nothing that can hold the candle. It's not like the devil has his blessing and God has, there's nothing. Any dollar the devil gives you, you'll pay him back a hundred for every one if you live long enough to spend it. Where's Biggie Smalls tonight? Where's literally every single movie star, comedian, and singer that was popular when I was in high school? Where are they? Dead in prison or got saved? Where are they? They don't live long enough to enjoy it. Here today, gone tomorrow. But not the righteous. The righteous shall flourish like the cedars of Lebanon, like palm trees that can't be blown down in the desert. Their roots go down deep. They can withstand great drought. That's coming in to your family today. You're not like everybody else. You're not going to live like everybody else. You are blessed. Go ahead, take 30 seconds and give the Lord a resounding hand clap and shout. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever, forever. One last question and I'll leave you alone. What do you think is going to happen as you come to the end of time and the Bible says mockers will abound? That mock the truth. The devil can't argue the truth, just mock it. Hey, you're one of those holy rollers now. Oh, you think, you think you're something now. You're religious. Just make fun. You can't, you can't deal with the facts. You can't deal with the facts, Mr. Devil, that this book works. I can list off a hundred people that served you that died quick. And I can list off a hundred people that served the Lord and are flying. Rodney Howard Brown flying. Jesse Duplantis, I just talked to him on the phone this morning. I mean, not one talk of anything that a normal 73-year-old would talk about. I'm having trouble keeping my breakfast down these days. No, none of that. (laughs) Flying. Literally flying. So blessed it irritates people. Wife still laughs at all his jokes. In love. I know what path I'm on. I'm trying to to, uh, entice you to get on it with me. I'm telling you, if you do, everything you need is on this path. Healing, peace, joy. Somebody has to be the first one in their family to say, we're not going down the road we've been going down for the last 200 years. I'm breaking out of this thing. I'm breaking my family out.
Only serve me, says the Lord. If you seek me, you shall find me. If you search for me with all your heart, attend unto my words. In this hour of mockers, if you will stand upon my word, I shall make you great, saith the Lord. I shall put my hand upon you, says the Lord, and I'll rise you out of obscurity. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' precious name. In the name of Jesus. Lift your hands all over this place. Let the glory of God come on every family right now. Go ahead and sing whatever's on your heart, Pastor Uche. Just begin to pray in other tongues on this great Friday night, in this great meeting, in the presence of this great God, in His great book. Let the power of God come upon you tonight. Let the presence of God come upon you tonight. If you're filled with the Spirit, begin to pray in the Spirit.
couple from Wisconsin come come right around and stand shoulder to shoulder at the front. Power of God's all over both of you. Stand shoulder to shoulder, lift both hands, close both eyes. As you do, the power of God comes upon you. There it is. As you do, the power of God comes upon you. In Jesus' mighty name. Jacob and your wife, you can keep playing. Shoulder to shoulder, lift both hands, close both eyes. Now, this is going to extend your life and give you a bunch of extra money. A full car payment a month. Put one, put one uh, hand on your mouth. I curse the taste for that substance off your lip and tongue. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here tonight and you can't answer the question in the affirmative, yes, I do serve the Lord with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. Maybe you've held one part of your life back from God. Like for me, if I would have not responded properly, it would have been anger. For others, it's sexual impurity. That's a big one in Europe and the United States and Canada. Where, if there's something God put his hand on tonight, give me all of you. You've given me most of you. But like R.W. Schambach used to say, Jesus will either be everything or he'll be nothing at all. If you say, Jonathan, I need to give my all to Christ tonight. Make him truly my Lord and my Savior. I don't want to be in the group of people on Judgment Day that say, Lord, Lord. And he says, who are you? I don't know you. Never don't know you at all. I don't want to just know who Jesus is. I want to give him my whole life. And the truth is I've kept part back. I've, I've made a soft space for sin in one area. But today I surrender everything to Christ to be saved. If that's you and you need to do that tonight, I want you, you to put your hand up high and wave it at me. We're going to pray. Very quickly, everyone that lifted a hand, come to the floor. We're, Come forward to the altar. We're going to pray. Come right now. Give them a hand clap as they come. Come quickly. Let's pray. Come right to the front. Unashamed. Boldly. Right to the front. Anyone that lifted a hand. If you didn't lift a hand, but the Lord's dealing with you. Pray this with me from your heart. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. I turn my back on sin. Say it out loud. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. 
I am forgiven. I am clean. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stay right there and let me pray for you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Everywhere you used to come up short, you won't come up short anymore. God gives you his power to live the way he's called you to live. Be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. You too. Be filled. That's it. No, right through you. With the Holy Ghost and fire. My friend that does Revival Today Fitness, that's you, right? Come right up. Power of God's all over you. Be filled. Walk in the fire of God all the days of your life. In Jesus' name. Just lift your hands right there. This is a fresh endowment of power from on high. Lift your hands even higher as you do. The power of God comes upon you. Filled. That's it. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. You can be seated briefly. Everybody just, you guys can stay out on the platform. I'm not going back into another sermon. I'm going to give people a chance to sow very quickly, and then I'm going to lay hands on everybody that would like hands laid on them tonight. For what? Say out loud, empowerment to live according to the Bible. That's one of the great rules, uh, roles of the Holy Spirit is where you are weak, he gives you strength to walk according to the book. Your flesh doesn't feel like giving. Your flesh doesn't feel like praying. Your flesh doesn't feel like fasting. doesn't feel like doing anything profitable. But the stronger you make the anointing of the spirit that you carry, the easier you flow on that path of obedience. That's what. Now, you can't give people what you don't have. You can only give people what you have. Such as I have, give I thee. But if there's one thing I could lay hands on you for that the Lord's given me by grace, it's a love for God and his word and to keep all of its commands, to do and to keep all that I've commanded you to do. What did Jesus say? Teach, teach, teach these things. Teach people to obey all these things I've commanded them. That's Jesus. Not pick what they want to obey. Teach people to obey it. I don't want to obey it. Teach them to. Say a word with me. Say grace. grace. Grace is not a covering for sin. Grace is an empowerment to live in victory over sin. What sin? Willful transgression against the law of God. What's the law of God? It's in this book. The Bible's not a mystery. Brother Jonathan, I'm going through a season right now. How many know we all go through seasons where we don't really hear God's voice? Then you're going through a season where you refuse to read the Bible. You want to read God's, you want to hear God's voice? Read the Bible out loud. Somebody said to my Uncle Ted one time, Brother Ted, I hope you have a word for me. He went, I got a whole book full of them. <laughs> then as you do the ones that are in here, then God will add instruction to clarify and tailor make for your life. But he's not going to give you words when you won't even obey the basic ones that are there. So it takes grace to live differently than your peers. You live in a generation, the Bible said, it'll be a generation of mockers, people that make fun of the Bible, people make, it was, how many of you were here in the service when I played Billy Graham talking to Woody Allen? Isn't it funny that you think we're in like a wicked time now? Even back in 1969, when the interview took place, they were mocking him for not sleeping around and only having one wife. It's just the same thing. It was the same thing that was going on in the church in Corinth. Nothing's changed. 
If you went to high school in the year 230, they would make fun of you for being a virgin. So the devil has no new tricks. But if you'll be a person that in the midst of a generation of mockers, you'll say, no, I, I'm, I, I eat this whole thing. I do everything it says, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm proud to live for God. God will show a separation between you and the rest of your generation. I said, God will begin to show a separation between you and the rest of your generation. Can you say amen? The more mysterious you make the Bible, the less you get out of it. The more practical you make it, there are specific actions to take that trigger and provoke the blessing of God. You are going to swim in those blessings all the days of your life. I said you're going to swim in those blessings. Offering envelopes are in the back of your seat. This is the only church I've ever seen that gives large offerings, but no one ever moves a finger. I don't know how you do it. No one ever even breaks eye contact with me. It's like playing poker with mafia people. <laughs> Nothing moves, but things are being done. If you're watching online, revivaltoday.com, you can click give now. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Everyone that gives tonight and goes to revivaltoday.com, you don't have to get, anyone that gives at all, that we get your name and address so we can do it. So make sure you go to revivaltoday.com and click give now. This is for live and online. That book, Pillars of Destiny, where is it? What this is, the largest church on earth, pastored by Bishop Oyedepo, he charted out what he believed were the 12 pillar cardinal doctrines of the Bible to teach people, and then just does one a month every year, with, obviously with fresh revelation and word. One on healing, one on the gifts of the Spirit, one on fasting, on down the line. And so, if you like that one about the Word, that little introduction, the rest of the book is equally powerful. I'm going to send that to everybody that sows a seed of any size. And I want to thank uh, everyone for their giving. I want to thank those that give at large, large levels as we make big moves this year by the grace of God. God will bless you for it. I know the media doesn't like you saying that. These people promise that if people give in their offerings, God will bless them. So now that I know the media doesn't like it, I want to tell you specifically, God will bless you if you give in our offerings. Amen. Give and you shall receive. Press down, shaking together and running over. Your gift will return to you. I will cause men to give liberally into your bosom. That's what the Bible says. This is not a PBS fundraiser. This is the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm going to have the ushers receive the offering. I'm going to have Pastor Uche play and sing what's on his heart. Then when I lay hands on you, before you receive the offering, real quick. The laying on of hands is a means for the thing that God gave someone. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that came on the inside of you when I laid my hands on you. So the laying on of hands isn't like Pentecostal preachers like touching people's foreheads or it's some tradition. When you lay your hand on people, the grace that's in one vessel flows into another vessel. That pastor had a boy that's 80 years old now. I met him when he was 76, I think, in Toronto. 
and I got to go back before he preached, and I got down on one knee and asked if he'd lay his hand on my head and give me, impart the grace to reach masses of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he prayed. And I, then after that was when we had that crusade in Newark, New Jersey, where we had 9,600 in attendance. Pittsburgh this last year, where we filled that stadium here, our first one. That comes by grace. So when you recognize there's a grace on somebody, you can grab it by the laying on of hands. Now, I'm not giving grace to reach masses with the gospel tonight. Tonight is, this is a new year. I want grace to forcefully obey everything that's in the Bible. And it be a delight. Everybody say a delight. delight. Ah, I forgot Sunday morning's church. Ah, I mean, just, if you don't serve the Lord with delight, you might as well not do it at all. But grace will cause it to be a joy. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen? All right, go ahead and sow your seed. Go ahead, Pastor Uche. And then we'll give you instruction as soon as the offering is received. RevivalToday.com. Click give now. Thank you online. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.